0: Welcome to Grit and Gravitas with Ann and Annie, bringing you savvy, spirited stories of success. We're excited to deliver 30 minutes of inspiration, impact, and goodness. We'll be bringing you guests and friends from around the country who have very special work and personal journeys. I'm Anne dieter Gallagher, your co-host with Annie Carnathan, and this is Grit and Gravitas. Let's go. Welcome to Grit and Gravitas. I think, Annie, we are episode 33. Uh, it is always a good day when I spend with you. And we have a super special guest. Uh, I'm beyond excited to introduce Jen Hartman, who is Director of Public Relations and Enterprise Social Media at none other than John Deere. Wow. So, Jen, welcome.
1: Wow. <laughs> Woo! <laughs>
0: Well, and I'm super excited that we are not only audio, we're video, because our friends and fans and listeners have to see Jen's John Deere uh, tractor behind her. I think I would work better with that kind of environment, don't you think? And she just has it going on. I mean, look at her. <laughs> I know. So, leather jacket is yeah, very hip. Very exactly.
1: Hip. <laughs> yeah, all good.
0: So this is Women's History Month. This is even more super exciting. And Jen, I have admired you on Twitter for a long time, I'm a, uh, probably above the age demographic of a Twitter, you know, follower. Got on in 2009. So Scott Monty was one of my first uh, friends on there, and he was social for Ford Motor Company. You, another phenomenal brand ambassador, uh, PR, you know, for uh, what? Are, what are? What is John Deere? Fortune, what? Are you? Fortune are- Fortune 100. That's awesome. And what a history.
1: So uh, Certified fangirl. Let's just get yes, that out of the yes. way. Yeah.
0: And Pennsylvania is an agricultural state. So we we are not, uh, you know, at our PA Farm Show, we're filled with the John Deere uh, green. But we want to dig in a little bit. Uh, you know, we're, we want to talk about your professional career. We want to talk about what it's like uh you know, behind the scenes at a brand of your, of an international stature. But let's just start at the beginning. Did you grow up wanting to work for John Deere?
2: I did. (laughs) I, I, I grew up here in the Quad Cities, which is home to John Deere's world headquarters. And I had an aunt who worked for John Deere. She was, uh, I think an executive assistant I didn't know what she did. I just knew she worked at Deer, and she was the cool aunt. You know, I think we all have the, <laughs> you know, the cool, fun aunts yeah. or uncles. And I just thought the world of her and knew I wanted to be like her. Um, and then of course, when I went away to school and uh, picked up public relations um, in college and, and did some interning um, at Edelman, I I still recall uh, one of the commutes into the city on the train. I was reading, you know, back in the day when we had like print newsletters (laughs) from our uh, alumni. I was reading the alumni newsletter and I thought someday I'm going to be head of PR for John Deere. Wow. I still remember thinking it. Um, It took me a while (laughs) to get there. I had, had, uh, you know, a few diversions along the way, but um, here I am. and. Boy, it's been a ride.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so based on those diversions, Jen, because this is my first question, how do you stay that course with essentially a goal, a dream at that point so early when life is going to throw you off the rails? What, what, was the, what was the passion behind that? How in the world did you stay focused on that dream?
2: You know, I, I've i noted this on my Twitter profile before, um, but I have never used my head. <laughs> I've always thought and followed my heart. And it's okay. Just-
0: wait, business vitamin right there. Business vitamin. <laughs> it's okay and maybe recommended to follow your heart for these things, for your career, especially.
2: You know, I, I always say um, following your heart can get you hurt. Um, but it can also lead you to tremendous rewards. Oh, my, yes. And one of the diversions I actually ended up in is that I interviewed for a role with the United Way here in the Quad Cities area. And when I interviewed, um, one of the lead volunteers on the board of directors was the head of communications at the time for United Way. And I'll be honest, in my head, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, if I got this job... I would be learning through, with and for, you know, the head of communications for DEER. And that was really my motivation at the time when I did get offered the role to take it. I ended up sticking with United Way for nine years because, again, my heart (laughs) fell in love with the mission and the great work that United Way does for its communities. Ultimately, um, it kept me connected to DEER and did pave the pathway uh, towards eventually working there, but um, again, it's just never—it's never proven me wrong. Uh, it, it it has always led me to where I need to be, um, in the right moment.
0: No, that's amazing. So you obviously love your employer, you love the brand, you embrace the brand. Uh, what have been some of the challenges as as you started on the PR trajectory? And I know from research, you, you came into the director position in what, March, 2020?
2: March, 2020.
0: Okay, and I think, to, uh, well, we've hit the two year anniversary of when you know, World Health Organization uh, declared it a pandemic, but uh, what were some of these challenges? I'm, I'm, I can't even imagine what you went through.
2: Yeah, here's what's so interesting and I tell this story um, quite a bit, but my predecessor was in the role as director of PR for 21 years at Deere. And so was really one of those um, staunch traditional PR practitioners right. and really focused primarily on reputational risk, mitigating those risks. Did not have a strong interest, and and nor was it really part of Deer's culture to be proactive, to to be out in front of issues, to be speaking to social political issues, um, and and taking a a, a stance per se. Right. I sat down with him on February twenty eighth of twenty twenty before he <laughs> retired, and I said, in the event deer were ever to face a significant
1: crisis oh my goodness oh my my goodness
2: would it be okay if i reached out to you and he said no i did
0: not see that coming
2: he said no and looking back i believe two things one he was ready (laughs) he was ready for retirement But number two, I really believe he wanted me to to stand on my own. And looking back now in how the past two years unfolded and with the global pandemic presenting such significant and unique challenges and for a global company with 72 units globally, um, every single factory was facing its own crisis in the moment in real time. And so I'm thankful now that I did not have that lifeline, that I needed to stand on my own, demonstrate my own strengths, skill sets, um, and, and really aim, gain some really valuable trust, um, with peers across the company.
1: And there was no, there was no blueprint for that. And in and and i think to 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 loop this back around you had to use your instincts and your heart to go through something you hate to hear the word unprecedented but but just extraordinarily difficult even every hour
2: well and for 2 years
1: right you know <laughs> it
2: was the global pandemic it was the murder of george floyd it was the the chaos and strife around the election of 2020. Supply chain. It was chain. January 6th. Uh, it was the strike that we had this right. past fall, and now we have the war in Ukraine.
0: Oh, so there's no let-up.
2: There is no let-up. There's no roadmap. I think we've all seen it's not exclusive to deer. The world right. has changed. Yes. Yeah. How media covers events has changed, how employees look to their employer for guidance, direction, a position on right, on right. political, social issues, how society now looks to brands to solve significant issues and to take action that will help address those issues. You know, there's There's research that came out of the Edelman Trust Barometer here a couple months ago that increasingly, because people trust politicians less, they're looking to CEOs and brands to solve societal issues and challenges and problems. And so I think that puts PR practitioners in a new ball game that none of us have a roadmap for. And for the leadership teams we support and the companies we represent, um, this is presenting, you know, gosh, we're learning day by day how to navigate these issues. And, and to your point, um, sometimes it's day by day.
0: <laughs> well, I think the old uh, the PR that I graduated in, you know, and i've I've been at this a year or two, um, yeah. is just a totally different planet because we didn't start with social media. So when we were connecting with you know news directors or uh, TV reporters, radio, it was much more deliberate and, and we came prepared. So you didn't, we would wake up worrying about the news cycle or a reporter reaching out to us, but you didn't go to sleep wondering what Twitter was going to, if you were going to become a hashtag or if, if your stock price was going to be negatively affected you by trending. somebody's yeah, or you're trending somebody's a rogue comment. So tell us, how did you navigate? I mean, you've got, you're working with international media, after you've, you know, had all the the experts at the table and you formulated messages and responses, but then you have this unwieldy uh, social platforms out there. And uh, how did you navigate that?
2: So one of the really great things Deere did organizationally is that I oversee PR and social. And even before me- So put them together. Social was in PR. And I, I talked to colleagues- and they don't have that benefit. Right. Right. And in my opinion, social is the pulse of news. Totally. And it's the pulse of the trending topics and what the conversations Twitter in particular will mm-hmm. tell you what people are caring about when.
0: Right. Right. Immediately.
2: Immediately and right. you know you you talk about what it used to be like. Gosh, we used to have the gift of time.
0: I know. Yeah.
2: We used to have the gift of time to prepare a statement, to um, develop a response, to ensure that the company could stand behind whatever that response was going to be. And there's so much pressure now on businesses and companies to respond immediately. Right. And and to. um You know, we now have this world and it it happened during the pandemic. It happened following the murder of George Floyd. It happened following January 6th. It's happening now with the situation in Ukraine. Universities or companies or media will put out a list.
0: Yes. And they
2: will start ticking down. Here are the companies and the actions they've taken or have not taken. right? Right. And it becomes this 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 clicking top, this, you know, clock of who is doing the right thing and who's not, right. when in fact business is so much more complicated than that. You know, there's so much more to businesses and how they operate and how they support employees, particularly on a global stage. Right. And in a global environment, um, the dependency we have on parts and supply chains and, And, um, you know, the the changes in cultural, the cultural beliefs from each one of those areas of the world. And yet the world demands that you have an answer immediately. Right. And and it needs to, it better meet whatever need (laughs) you're being called upon to act. And and while I appreciate um, the desire for companies to do the right thing, um, it is incredibly challenging um, to be able to respond succinctly um, and and meet that need um, within the hour. Right. And I think now, that's probably the biggest challenge that that I face is that pressure to respond so immediately.
0: So for, for, um, one of our goals at grit and gravitas is to shorten the learning curves of those younger than us. So, you know, for me, that's, that might be, uh, the 20 something, you know, who's choosing a major deciding where they want to intern or, or really choosing what brand they want to work for. <clears throat> so what, what advice do you have for the younger person? And I'll say in our industry PR and Annie's in media too. So it would be one, you know, maybe one, uh, bucket, um, I would say first go on Twitter, follow you and follow the brands and see, see where, what they can learn. But um, these are, you just really have to have a mastery of your corporation and the values and the principles. These are things you can't tweet immediately. Like you said, this is heavy, uh, heavy content to put out there. So what advice to these young people might you have?
2: One of the best pieces of advice I got when I got in this role from another PR practitioner, older and wiser than I am, that is probably a business vitamin, is that you have to start building your pain tolerance.
0: Oh, good. Good. And
2: you have to build pain tolerance as a brand and as a professional. Um, The world is, is fairly unforgiving right now (laughs) but they are unforgiving momentarily your brand might be the trending topic because of a a misstep or an unintentional um misquote um maybe a, a ceo said something that creates a firestorm it'll be gone tomorrow and twitter will have moved on to the next thing and um, that pain tolerance is tough because I I, I am I the pressure you feel in the moment it's very easy for me to say to build that pain tolerance because when you care about the brand you represent and you care about their reputation when you care about your own reputation um, it it can be uh, excruciating um, to weather out that storm um, but it passes it passes and and how well you navigate that storm. Um, the calm you convey others and, um, the confidence you have in the guidance you've provided, um, will pay off, um, in in ways that, that will be very rewarding for your career.
1: And I think of pain tolerance as pressure tested. Yes. Say, say, and you do build up sort of a perspective, you know, a tolerance, uh, just a deep breath to, to want to impact that response immediately. But I will tell you the overwhelming, and I'll say this feeling I get from you on Twitter. And it is overwhelming to me is that you, you, I feel like you live each day with a really grateful heart. I think you're very, very empathic. I think that comes from you no matter you know, what you're tweeting, you know, what you're grateful for in the moment. And so I don't think you can manufacture that. And how important is it for women to maintain that throughout what is an extraordinarily challenging, difficult time period? We all have something. So how do you keep, to me, how do you keep emoting that and have that grateful heart?
2: Well, I am lucky um, and fortunate. It seems weird to preface what I'm about to say with that, but I'm fortunate to have a lot of daily reminders um, that show me in numerous ways why I should be grateful. (laughs) Um, And that's that I have a daughter with autism. She's autistic. And when I am having some of my more challenging moments. My daughter frequently, often, and consistently reminds me of what's important. When you know uh, someone who's autistic, they see the world very black and white. Uh, My daughter does not understand this world of pretend we all live in. We pretend to like someone. We pretend to be interested in their conversation. We pretend to enjoy going to a business meeting. (laughs) Uh, And and so she reminds me that pretending doesn't really get us anywhere. Uh And the more authentic we can be, the more vulnerable we allow ourselves to be, the more real we are, the more those around us, the more those younger than us, the more my team, the more the managers I work for, the leaders I report to have permission to be themselves as well.
1: Right. That's a great point. That's a great point. That's, that's astounding because I, I, you, you can intuit that from Twitter because it's, it's obviously not how you say it. It's the words you use. It's it's and that's what's been overwhelming to me. I'm like, oh my goodness, how do I just keep feeling that? And it is, it's a feeling.
2: Women are so apologetic.
1: <laughs> I, yes.
2: I you know I I try I do it. I have to. I sometimes I tweet things to hold myself accountable. <laughs> and so if I put it out in the universe, I better people better see me living up right. to whatever I just. You know, put out there. And one of those is that it's not exclusive to women, but we tend to qualify out what our ask, our demands, our needs, um, our advice, our counsel. I'm just a communicator, but here's what Mm -hmm. I think we should do. Could I just have a minute of your time? I don't mean to bother you, but I think I have an idea. I've twice <laughs> in my career, at two very memorable moments, I was told by male supervisors, Jen, do you think or do you know? Because we've hired you for what you know.
0: That's great. So,
2: wow. if I'm going to bring this up in this meeting today. I need to hear what you know. And I will often say, "I think we should."
0: That's a business vitamin too, especially, oh. and and part of our encouragement, Jen, is to show the way for younger women, mid-careerists, to seek those board positions. Because if the mood needle isn't moving fast enough, we really need to encourage other women. Raise your hand, say yes. Don't wait to have your door knocked on. Like, is there, is there uh, an open board position? Go seek that. Make a short list of places you want to serve and you feel that your voice would add value. And to your point, I've never heard a male at any board table I've sat on that said uh, that either raise their hand. They don't raise their hand. They talk. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's the way it is. And you're exactly right. They don't qualify anything. And they often speak before they know And we're sitting there, you know, already deeply experienced and then asking permission to speak.
2: Right. Now, I haven't been part of this meeting. You know, I wasn't here at the meeting last week, so I might not be fully informed, (laughs) but we do it a lot. We do it a lot. And we need to stop.
1: Yes, we do. And I don't know if this is going to sound harsh or not, but I just wanted (laughs) to say, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Young people will, young people disqualify themselves by their age yes they will say i'm just or you know i'm you know i know i'm not as senior as we gotta stop
0: i totally agree with that um and I think the emotional resilience—I've confessed that a, a, a number of times. I haven't really mastered that, so I'm still working on that. You know, I've been decades into into business ownership and in the PR world. You know, if a client says, "Oh, that's that's not really your best, Dan," you know, I've I've uh, I I've, I need to uh, continue working on just getting right back in the ring and saying, you know what, yes. this is this is my best. But if you would speak for one a second, Jen, on um, you've, ha- you've had you've had your significant physical challenges as well in your past. And how has that prepared you or steeled you to meet COVID and meet the current uh, international situation head on?
2: So you brought up something that is a bit of a anniversary for me. Um, 11 years ago yesterday, I had surgery to remove a brain tumor. Wow. That had wrapped around um my vagus nerve, which by the way controls your vocal cords, which also controls your ability to swallow. Right. So your vocal oh. cords close to allow food um, you know, to to go to go down the right pipe. Right. And um that surgery um meant I ran a really severe risk that I would no longer be able to speak. Or be able to eat or drink, oh, um, and I'd have to rely on a feeding tube. And I had about three months pre-surgery to really take stock of my life and my career um, simultaneously, not knowing if it was benign or not, it was. Um, thank God.
0: Yes, thankful.
2: But genuinely taking stock of how I spent time outside of the office, where I put my volunteer hours. And what the result was when I woke up from that surgery and while I had a few challenges for a while, um, knew that I would be able to speak and eat eventually based on how well the surgery went. um, I resigned from every board I was on. I resigned from every volunteer role I held. And I started my own nonprofit. And the nonprofit is focused here in the Quad Cities on raising funds and awareness for families with children diagnosed with autism. And, you know, I go back to the whole putting my heart before my head. I was on all those committees because I knew it would be good for my career, because I knew it would look good on a resume. I could help, it was all worthwhile effort, right? It was all, you know, but some of the volunteering, you know, didn't really capture my heart or my passion. Um, and when I put my heart and passion and time and energy in work that meant something so incredibly important to me personally, it took off and, and, and I think that's a lesson as well. Um, when we check a box on that career path and we do what everyone tells us we should do, um, while it's important and will likely get you where you want to go eventually you're not going to have as much fun doing it
0: right and that's a that's uh, a great business vitamin and personal vitamin too i mean we we get inundated with requests as a pr you know professional what board wouldn't want you especially now representing John Deere on the board. And
1: that was why it was interesting. Jen tweeted, you know, every off kilter song I ever sing, <laughs> I'm thankful for, because guess what? I, I can yeah, sing everybody. Uh, yeah. it doesn't mean I sing well, but I laughed out loud and I thought that's someone with a perspective. And again, the grateful heart that just that's who I want to read and that's who I want to interact with. And that's who I want to talk to. So and this uh,
2: conversation is a miracle. So Mike, you was like that this VR job that I'm in. You know, I remember one of the doctors say asking in one of my pre-op appointments, are you in a career that requires you to communicate a lot? <laughs> because he knew the surgery might yeah. mean I can't talk afterwards. And Every year on the anniversary, my husband calls it Tea tea Free Day, Tumor Free Day. Yeah. We celebrate Tea Free Day every year on on March 10th. And uh, every year we take pause and I take stock on where I am in my career, how absolutely blessed I am to be able to do what I'm doing, to be able to have these kind of conversations. Um, And I think that's never going to be lost on me um now until i i retire
0: well it's a good reminder we often say time is non-renewable right and uh a good reminder to serve where your passion is and even younger people you know make a short list of things you're most passionate about i've been on uh committees and boards, you know, children and food insecurity would be my passions. I've served on a symphony, you know, committee. I love that. I love the arts, but that wasn't my top three to your point is just do your own introspection and find out where, uh, where you really can, uh, invest yourself with the most return for something that your heart believes Passion.
1: in. Passion, Absolutely. Well, just like that,
0: <laughs> Jen, not no
1: no not already. End, it's a minute and a half left remaining. That's how fast and riveting these conversations are. And I sincerely, sincerely well, this is that. the
0: positive side of social media, Jen. That the amount of incredible men and women we have met. You know, uh, we would never be able to take a course with this kind of knowledge and and meet. Uh, really create a sense of community opportunity for us to start a podcast uh, just a little over a year ago. And we've out of our own curiosity, we have met amazing uh, women like yourself and uh, Ginger Z and uh, uh, Miss Pennsylvania, a lot of amazing people. And where can we where can our friends and listeners find you?
2: On Twitter, my handle is at Jen Allison, J-E-N-A-L-Y-S-O-N
1: great 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 and please interact with that you're going to be a better person for it and to me that's what i would love all of twitter to be
0: i know and we'll keep sharing our our fabulous john deere family photos <laughs> thank
1: you so much jen, yes. thank you and i hope you have a great weekend yes
0: have a high gear day jen thank you and congrats on you all your anniversaries that's thank uh you. What, what a blessing thank you thanks for listening It's our desire that these stories will bring energy, ideas, and fresh thinking that you can use today. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram and have a high gear day.